We commune under the sanguine moon before entering into winter's gloom, pursing lips for penance and a prayer in hopes that the dead go somewhere. Annihilation is always near yet out of reach. The closest we come is when stars speak through an eternal All Hallows' Eve until black holes silently bleed. solo practitioner, Travis Maxwell Boone. As the festive side of the spooky season dies down, I'd like to consider this an epilogue to our month-long Halloween havoc. The flame is flickering out in our jack-o'-lantern, making way for the dark to seep in. Winter and the dead woods lie before us. But before we get there, Let's scrounge around in our goodie bag to see what treats are left. I enjoy Skittles and Sour Patch Kids, but if I'm eating a candy bar, I'm going for a Milky Way Midnight. Reese's and Fifth Avenue Rock, too. Horror films are like a bunch of dark and beautiful hidden gems scattered and buried throughout the landscape of cinema. These bizarre stories find a home in this audio-visual medium, and regardless of the budget, each movie is like seeing something that was never meant to be seen. And that's the promise of a horror film, to glimpse the incomprehensible. And Halloween is the season of incomprehensible come to life. Graveyards are placed on front lawns. People play with spirit boards to communicate with the dead. A healthy diet consists of Tootsie Rolls and candy corn. The world turns upside down, inside out, and we all try to peer into the other side. Our greatest fear is given pageantry. We dress up and play pretend. And as a child, we are more in tune with pretend. The innocence of childhood manages to balance out the unknown of death, and this creates a special kind of magic. You can usually feel this magic during this time of year. When the weather shifts, when the stars speak, and darkness reigns. The buffer of age and the barrier of naivete allows the inevitable to playfully tease us. And this leaves an imprint on those of us who embrace the darkness. Cajun country meant hay rides and Halloween festivals at school, the kind where they'd have us, as gross as it is, bobbing for apples and playing little carnival games for fake money that we could only exchange for candy at the school canteen. How convenient. As I got a little bit older, I started to venture out on my own, and the real meaning of the season swept in. It was about exploring freedom, and that freedom came with a certain amount of fear. Something about walking the streets on an autumn night, the wind just gently blowing, leaves scattering, and a pale moon 
filling up the night sky. All of that just, man, there's something about it. And I know that that expression doesn't really sum it up. There's something about it. But it is, like I said, a certain kind of magic. And yeah, I dressed up. Um, I, I can't recall everything I had ever dressed up as. I mean, I'm sure I went as Batman or a Ninja Turtle at some point or another. But when I was older, uh, one Halloween in particular, we, my cousin and I went on a hayride somewhere around DeRitter, Louisiana. And that night, I dressed up as a uh, zombified bounty hunter. So I had the fake blood and everything like that. And my cousin went as, uh, a, he, well, I think he was just a zombie, but his makeup was pretty on point. And as recently as a couple of years ago, I went as Rick Sanchez to my own Halloween party that I hosted. Man, I want to get back to uh, doing that again. But I'm losing track. <laughs> During my childhood, the earliest introduction I had to the faintest glimpse of this Halloween spirit was a show called Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The reruns played on Cartoon Network, but it originally aired on CBS from 1969 to 1970. The artwork and atmosphere of that show, it really stuck with me and carried over to uh, something I used to do for a summer school reading program. Uh, not summer school, but school during summer, kind of. Uh, you were awarded points for certain books you would read, and you were given a list. Well, back then I wasn't much of a reader, so I stockpiled R.L. Stein's Goosebumps series. They were worth a few points apiece, and they were very short reads. But I fell in love, and lucky me, Fox Kids had a television show. It originally aired from 1995 to 1998, and speaking of school, they would even sometimes play Goosebumps episodes around Halloween. Yeah, we probably should have been studying or learning as a class, but instead we were getting the shit scared out of us. No, there was another television show that aired on uh, Nickelodeon, originally from 1990 to 1996. I'm sure there's a lot of fans of Are You Afraid of the Dark out there cool Canadian horror anthology. Check that shit out. Now, Disney can't be forgotten here. Uh, when I was in middle school, I did watch a few of their made-for-TV movies, such as Under Wraps, a kid's film about a mummy. And I remember, <laughs> based on, well, my poor memory, it was a very zany, wonky film that's probably pretty cringe, but if you're a little kid, you love that shit. They also had Don't Look Under the Bed. Both of these movies were from the late 90s, and Don't Look Under the Bed was actually a little scary when I was a kid. I can't really remember the entire plot or the characters' names, but I know that someone's imaginary friend, the main character's imaginary friend, was slowly becoming a boogeyman. Oh, and I remember my mom making uh, what we called dirt cake, a special for me. And I watched that movie while eating it. That's, uh, it's an Oreo dessert. Uh, so I'm not eating the fucking dirt and soil that my mom swept up or anything. Oh, and also worth noting, this was something else that really, this, this got me into the spirit of Halloween. It kind of gave me some of my earliest uh, memories of, of the imagery of Halloween. Like pumpkins and witches and bats and black cats. You know, all that, all that fun stuff. It's a little-known prequel to How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Originally airing in 1977, it's Halloween is Grinch Night. You can find this pretty easily online, and I highly encourage everybody to check that out. Now, a couple of classics that, I mean, they get brought up all the time. And, yeah, they were influential for me as well. It's uh, 1993's Hocus Pocus. The tale of the three witches, the Sanderson sisters, and their plot to claim the souls of children. <laughs> Amazing rendition of I've Got a Spell on You by Bette Midler. So much fucking fun. And um, also from 93, so that was a year for young adult horror. Produced by Tim Burton, so you know the imagery is distinct. The stop motion animation dark fantasy the Nightmare Before Christmas. Everyone knows who Jack the Pumpkin King is. They know all the characters. You can't walk into a Hot Topic without running into 50 shirts with their images all over it. 
This is a staple of the Halloween season, and I would say it's probably the biggest of the whole modern era. Another fun stop-motion animation film, well, it's fun but also very haunting, that came out in the early or mid-2000s, I can't remember, but it's uh, directed by the same man that directed The Nightmare Before Christmas. No, it was not Tim Burton. That's a common misconception that a lot of people have due to the distinct imagery. It was directed by Henry Selick, and that film is called Coraline. He directed both movies. Coraline, if you haven't seen that, you have to seek this movie out. So all of those movies were very influential in showing me what the Halloween spirit was as a child. Um, Oh, fucking Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. To go back to Scooby-Doo, another another awesome... This was Scooby-Doo taken seriously. There There was no mask ghouls and ghosts or monsters it was real shit and it involved and it involves cat people it, zombie ghosts it, it, it that is a fun oh and it takes place in new orleans so super awesome animated film but as i was getting older uh i would shift my focus to more real world haunts it, i mean you know more more real kind of real spooky stuff i mean not and i'm not talking about true crime i just mean a and e and uh TLC, Discovery, History Channel, all of these channels used to run special programs during the month of October. Yeah, I think you could find a lot of this stuff online too, but it was just, it was the, it was probably of a time and place. If you watched it now, it might seem hokey or, I don't know, it might still seem haunting. I can remember certain shows, uh, one one about uh, the Winchester Mansion. There was this piano playing lightly in the background of a lot of the scenes where the narrator is discussing the many terrors of the house and the uncertainties of that house look up the winchester mansion the whole story behind it and what that house is it's kind of a mindfuck i also remember the story of some lady giving birth to the devil's baby i really wish i could find that episode and during this time of course i was also watching monster vision on tnt If you're a frequent listener, you've heard me mention that before. Joe Bob, hands down, is the man that got me into horror movies. And I owe him a great deal of gratitude for that. And as a teenager, I found some uh, Halloween go-tos that I would have over the years. A lot of people have some of the ones I've already mentioned, like The Nightmare Before Christmas or Hocus Pocus. Some people even throw Beetlejuice in there. But when I was coming of age, Silver Bullet from Stephen King... I mean, that's that's early age into teenage years, but that was always one that uh, I would watch around Halloween because it kind of, it, it ends during Halloween, on Halloween. Pumpkinhead was another one, uh, not related to Halloween, I don't think, in the time frame of the, the story in which it takes place, but the imagery of Pumpkinhead and the overall atmosphere of that film really, really evokes the spirit of Halloween. Oh, and um, bringing Tim Burton back, Sleepy Hollow from from 1999. This is as grisly and as bloody as Tim Burton has ever gotten, aside from Sweeney Todd. And the gothic atmosphere here, just the way everything looks, the world he creates to retell this classic Halloween fable from Washington Irving. It's chilling and it's brilliant, really. I mean... I can always go back to that one, and it always falls around this time of year, too, when I want to go back to it, so it's 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 a staple for me, and Christopher fucking walking in that movie. <laughs> it's so unexpected that this dude is the headless horseman, you know. Another film I like to watch around this time of year, and again, the, the time frame has nothing to do with it within the, the story or stories, uh, the anthology film from 82, Creepshow. I've talked about that movie on here before, and I'm probably going to talk about it again at another point. So I'm going to shelve that one. Um, And lastly, and this is is usually the top of everybody's Halloween list for Halloween films that they like this time of year. And I am not immune to this infection of darkness. This man with the devil's eyes. 1978, John Carpenter's Halloween. The atmosphere is just perfect. You can just throw that on and you really, you know, if, if you don't have <laughs> if you don't have a, a jack-o'-lantern lit outside your house, you feel like you do with that film on. And if you watch it at just the right time, as the sun goes down and the night creeps in, 
If the movie does its job right, you just might feel like he's out there too. And I want to I want to mention these movies before I uh, move move along here. These are some newer Halloween classics, quote unquote classics. I'm going to start off with one that some people would probably get mad about me mentioning, but I'm going to say Hubie Halloween, Adam Sandler's new film. That's like a modern day Ernest Scared Stupid. I mean, it's it really it captures the feel of Halloween. It's silly for silly enough for kids with jokes that the parents are going to get. And Adam Sandler seems to love Halloween or Halloween themed projects because he's also behind the entire Hotel Transylvania series. Um, other 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 cool films you can watch with your kids for Halloween or enjoy yourself if you can find your kid at heart. The Scooby-Doo movie from 2002. I wish it would have been darker, but it's still cool. Matthew Lillard rocks. There's a Goosebumps adaptation as well uh, starring Jack Black. Uh, there's two of those movies. so I've only seen the first one, but it, it was cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Definitely not as cheesy as the original series. But something that's not cool to watch with the family is Haunt. This movie is brutal. It's a funhouse horror flick, and it doesn't pull any punches. The swerves come fast and furious. I I, I think this is going to be a new yearly staple for me. Gotta mention 2007's uh, Trick or Treat. I think this film is only second to... John Carpenter's Halloween when people talk about their favorite movie to watch during the spooky season. With just one film, Sam, the little sackhead kid with the uh, murderous lollipop in the film, has become a horror icon. And the same can be said about my final newer mention. This, this, also, this movie takes place on Halloween, just like Trick or Treat, and it happens to be uh, one of Ricky's favorite horror icons who broke out with one film. And is already right up there in horror canon as, as icon status. Art the Clown in 2016's Terrifier. Hopefully we get a sequel to that very soon. And then if you're listening to this years after 2020, <laughs> I'm hoping that the sequel was just as good as the first movie. Talk about fucking brutal. Terrifier has one of the best kills ever put to film. I'm not going to tell you what that is. Go watch the movie. Now that I find myself being a parent, uh, apparently a parent, aside from planning some Halloween fun for myself, it's all about them and uh, de- decorating the house for Halloween. It's like it's it's my Christmas. I mean, it really is. It's it's the time of year where you can walk outside and the weather is changing, so you get that cool, brisk air in your lungs. Fucking feel alive and amazing. And being that I'm a grown ass man. I can do whatever the hell I want. So instead of having to sneak Joe Bob on my TV late at night as my parents slept thinking I wasn't up to no good, I can watch 31 nights of horror. And that's exactly what I did. So for the second year in a row, um, last year I put out this list on an episode. I'm going to go ahead and uh, inform the listeners of what all I watched during October. I'm not going to rate these films because I might rate them later, or a rating might seem a little unfair right now. But I will give you a recommend, or not recommend, if the movie warrants it. So first up, we have a, uh, a classic from the 1980s, 1988's The Blob. A remake of a, I think it was a 50s film, pretty sure. First time watch for me, and I watched it this year because I'm a co-host of another podcast, The Joe Blow Horror Show. Go and check that out. Uh, we talk about The Blob and <laughs> the part two of that episode. The Blob, I, I, I'll give a, a recommend to. Um, it's got some fun body horror, and the acting isn't terrible or anything like that, but the, the, the oh God, 2003's Darkness Falls, I do not recommend that movie. 
sorry for anyone out there who likes that shit, but uh, it's glaringly awful in the most boring, bland, and thoughtless of ways. So can't get behind that. But those those were the first two of the month. So off to a rocky start. <laughs> uh, then I watched We Summon the Darkness, a new 2020 film. This movie has a swerve you can kind of see coming from a mile away, but it was still a lot of fun. I'd recommend this movie to anyone who's got nothing better to watch or nothing planned. Uh, kind of take that for what you will. Then I watched the Stuart Gordon film from 2001, an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft, Dagon. This movie wasn't bad for what it was. Uh, the set design was cool. I mean, I, I felt like I was in some salty sea shanty village carved into a rock face in the middle of the ocean. And uh, the main character in this movie, he encounters some otherworldly cosmic fish shit. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to really spoil what's going on in that movie. But if you know anything about the Cthulhu mythos and and some of Lovecraft's lore, then the title alone tells you where this is going to go. And speaking of cosmic, I, I sort of went on a cosmic tear after that. Black Mountainside from 2016. Stay tuned. Um, then up next, it was 2011's Absentia, the first film from Mike Flanagan. Uh, and this was a first-time watch for me, as was Dagon and We Summoned the Darkness. Um, Black Mountainside I've seen before. Oh, Lord. Absentia, Black Mountainside, Dagon, I recommend all of those movies. I, I realize I haven't been given the, uh, the old recommend there. To varying degrees, Black Mountainside, watch that shit now. I don't know what you're, you're waiting for. Oh, and Absentia, that's a mindfuck of a movie. Very interesting premise. Uh, it'll, it'll definitely make you think twice before you walk under a, uh, an overpass. It just might get taken into the walls. Up next, uh, two more films. Again, for the Joe Blow Horror Show. You can uh, hear us talk about that with, with Mark Nato from the Horror Cast. He uh, presented two movies to us. One was supposed to be bad, and the other was supposed to be good. I ended up liking both. Um, both of them were 2020 films. Acacia Motel is one, hints of Guillermo del Toro in that film. And the other is Exorcism at 60,000 Feet. This is a spoofy, cheesy horror comedy. And all I'm going to say is tampon scene. Go watch that movie and then go listen to us talk about it on Joe Blow. I had to jump back on the cosmic horror train after that. I watched another Stuart Gordon film, one of his uh, one of his trilogy of H.P. Lovecraft adaptations. First time watch, 1986's From Beyond. Disturbing imagery, really cool special effects. Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton. It's probably my least favorite of the uh, Gordon, Combs, Crampton trifecta, but it was still really cool. Then I watched Vampires vs. the Bronx. This, this movie could also potentially be a, uh, a foundational film for, for kids nowadays, kind of like how uh, we talked about Insidious and Sinister would be for, you know, but I think this this would also qualify. Um, it's a young adult horror movie. It's about vampires. It, it's uh, <laughs> sort of like Fright Night, although not as hardcore as that. That was that was rated R. But this is a fun movie. I, you can watch this with the family. I don't think there's a honest drop of blood in the movie. <laughs> like there'd be a dishonest drop of blood. Fucking filthy lion blood speck. And speaking of blood, my next watch was The Babysitter. And I started the sequel, but I didn't. I didn't get to finish it, so I need to do that because I really like the Babysitter. It's it's sort of like We Summon the Darkness in that there's a ritual that's occurring in the film, but the Babysitter just amps it way up with the fun factor. I'm gonna highly recommend the Babysitter. And finally, I rounded out my uh, Stuart Gordon trilogy. I, I, I'd seen Reanimator many times before so that wasn't part of this month's watch list but i went to the last drive-in sat down with joe bob and darcy and i watched uh, castle freak we've already talked about it i think on here uh, if not on joe blow horror show but uh one day we'll, one day we're gonna dive more into the entire gordon combs crampton trifecta 
highly recommend Castle Freak. Up next, 1986's, uh, this is a little cult classic. Some would say Hidden Gem. I give it a mild recommend, Neon Maniacs. Uh, it, man, this movie was probably going to be a lot cooler before budget restraints and studios changing productions and uh, there was a the movie was riddled with with just mess after mess you can find out more about that online but i I would still say watch it just to just to get it under your belt because there is there are some fun moments and you know it's from the 80s (laughs) the soundtrack at least is gonna have you feeling that halloween spirit up next, Gags the Clown, another new horror film that could probably become a staple of, of the Halloween season. Going into it, I kind of thought it was going to suck, but the way this movie uses found footage is really interesting. Whether whether it's a police body cam, a security camera, someone's cell phone, our point of view is always from some piece of technology. And the clown in the film, while he doesn't do much, he's effective enough just kind of standing there like Bagul, Bagul the Clown. No, he's not really Bagul. He's Gags. Highly recommend. And I highly recommend this new 2020 movie, The Cleansing Hour. This gave me serious Evil Dead vibes, especially once the, uh, the, main, the main female character got possessed by, uh, well, <laughs> where this movie goes, how it plays out, and where it goes is incredible. It's one of those movies where you're hoping it goes there, but you don't think it will, but then it does. And when it does, it's actually awesome. We're all waiting for Evil Dead Rise, so get your Evil Dead fix by watching The Cleansing Hour. It's basically in the Evil Dead canon, according to me, just like Jason and Freddy. <laughs> oh, and hearkening back to Fright Night earlier when I was talking about Va- Bronx, uh, the, the vampires versus the Bronx, Fright Night, 1985, classic 80s vampire film, and I could see why. Yep, this was a, not a first time watch, but... I watched this movie years ago when I was picking up horror movies all the time from my nanny's video store. So I really didn't remember much. Just a few of the iconic scenes, but it was basically a first-time watch. I can't recommend that movie enough, especially if you're a fan of vampires. Uh, A newer movie that's sort of like it, and this wasn't on my watch list for the month, but I did watch it this year, is The Shed. Different movies, but similar tones and I think they'd actually pair very well together for a uh, double feature. Uh, next, the aforementioned Hubie Halloween. Adam Sandler <laughs> plays this uh, basically uh, town monitor uh, during the Halloween holiday. And he's sort of uh, picked on by the town. The, the movie's got a really good, a good moral in it. Um, you know, be yourself. It, it boils down to that. And people can shit on this movie if they want to, but... You don't have a thermos as cool as Hubie Dubois. I mean, seriously, this guy's thermos is everything. It's a grappling hook, an umbrella. It probably has a fucking mini black hole in there. I, I don't know. It, Hubie is kind of like fucking Rick Sanchez with, with, with that goddamn thermos. Check out Hubie Halloween. Leave your bullshit at the door. Uh, oh, Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead's popping back up, rearing his ugly pumpkin head. Oh, and how I love that pumpkin head. Lance Henriksen plays Ed Harley in this uh, amazing creature feature. I watched this for uh, Joe Blow. We have a fireside chat. So go again, go find the Joe Blow Horror Show. Listen to us chat it up about Pumpkinhead. Highly recommend this fucking classic. Then I watched another classic that's on a lot of people's list for Halloween. Um, I saw I saw the good the good stuff in it, mainly the puppetry from the uh the people with working under jim henson but i don't know man the witches from 1990 it just didn't really i don't know it was it was a first time watch i'm gonna admit and you know maybe i needed to see it as a kid and and i would i would say it's cool for kids to watch so recommend for the family up next uh a new 2020 movie mild recommend this is just for the horror fan that wants to be completist or likes the imagery of spooky clowns and this movie is called the jack in the box now i'll admit it is not a knock knock (laughs) it is not a home run but for the runtime and the so-so performances and the really awesome creature effects 
I'd say watch it. So the mod recommend is, I would say it's just really like a, it's a week strong recommend. <laughs> I don't know. Or just fucking check it out if you, uh, if it suits you, if it tickles your fancy. After that, I, I, I probably went and watched some uh, Monster Madness, a YouTube series that, or, well, it's a series from Cinemassacre.com that James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, does every Halloween. He's been doing this for years, so there's plenty of Monster Madness out there for you. But he did a he did a mini review, or he does mini reviews of horror films all October. And one year, he, he talked about a film from 1980 called Night of the Demon. It's a Bigfoot movie. It's a Bigfoot slasher movie. It's a shitty Bigfoot slasher movie. You can find it for free online. It's on YouTube. I highly recommend it. The acting is horrendous and it's amazing the gore the special effects they're not top notch but they're effective and fucking awesome to look at i also recommend going watch uh james's review of night of the be uh, night of the demon i'm gonna leave that in the show notes a, a link to it it his his review alone is hysterical and speaking of something else you can find for free online the new friday the 13th fan film from the people that brought you Never Hike Alone, a new tale from Camp Blood, Never Hike in the Snow. That's right, folks. Our first film with Jason. This is something every Friday fanboy and girl has been wanting for a long time. The image of our favorite hockey wearing, our favorite hockey mask wearing serial killer standing in a cold, dead forest, snow falling all around splashes of blood seeping into the frost all around him the imagery in it admittedly is really cool it's weak on story but for being a 30 minute feature it didn't really need a whole lot of story and tom matthews reprises his role as motherfucking tommy jarvis so that was awesome too uh go check it out i mean highly recommend fuck yeah another joe blow feature uh you go listen to this episode too from 1988, Flesh Eater, or Revenge of the Living Dead. This movie stars the original cemetery ghoul from George A. Romero's 1968 zombie revolutionary classic, The Night of the Living Dead. And eh, it, it doesn't hold up to that. It, it doesn't hold up to a lot, but what it does do is manage to incorporate some really cool scenes. Uh, I'm not sure what the tone of the like what the original tone of the film was supposed to be, but like a lot of movies from back then, the campiness and the cheesiness, the corniness or just the flubs or mishaps, bad acting, poorly done special effects, it all culminates in a stew of uh I keep saying this word, but fun. And it takes place on Halloween. So that's that's the uh the bonus there. Uh, Haunt, I already talked about that movie. Um, that was up next for me that was a first time watch and this was for joe bob's halloween hideaway do you have shutter you don't go get it five bucks a month motherfuckers quit fucking around so this year joe bob and darcy showed haunt and another 1988 movie hackle lantern god that movie was fucking awful but the satanic grandpa is the best and that's his that's his character's name in the film grandpa that's all he's credited as and he talks like this i brought a whole shitload of pumpkins up here for your halloween party he is the best southern satanic grandpa of all fucking time he's a cult leader and he's trying to get his grandson into it it the movie is fucking nuts it's horrible, and it makes it amazing that it's so fucking horrible. Love, Hack-A-Lantern. Thank you, Joe, Bob, and Darcy. What a fucking fun Halloween special that was. So to kind of cleanse my palate and get back into the spirit of the season, I watched Paranorman from 2012. Not a lot of people talk about this movie, but man, this is an ode to horror classics of the, uh, the early age of horror film or what some people call the golden age of horror film the universal classic monsters and, and the like but this is a kids film and it's i believe it's stop motion if it's not stop motion it's animated to look as if it is stop motion 
and involves a uh, an outcast little boy named Norman who can see ghosts. So when some crazy witch bitch is trying to lay siege to the town, his powers and his uh, ragtag group of little friends run off to save the night. Highly recommend that, especially for family time. Then I watched Sleepy Hollow again, had to return to this Tim Burton classic. I love Johnny Depp in it. I love how he faints all the time. Like, go ahead and take a shot every time he faints in the film, or someone faints in the film. Other people faint too. A lot of people fainting over here. But I'm going to leave that one where it lies. Uh, going to probably talk about, most definitely going to talk about that movie another time. Super high recommend. Then another first time watch. Um, boy, the Halloween spirit flows through this movie. I'm surprised and a lot of people aren't talking about this. This is uh, 2017's 10:31, so not 31 by Rob Zombie, um, not Halloween by John Carpenter, even though that's the date it signifies. 10:31 is the name of this horror anthology. Yes, it can be a little cheesy, but man, it's a lot of fucking fun. I keep saying that word. That's Ricky's favorite word too. <laughs> fun. We have fun with all this fucked up shit. Okay, You're supposed to. That's the point. Then I went back to. This, for me, is is quickly becoming uh, one of my favorite horror movies from the 1970s. 1979, and um, I'll I'll go ahead and give this as a double feature, because I watched them one night and uh, back-to-back. 1979's Nosferatu, The Vampire, directed by Werner Herzog, and 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, starring Donald Sutherland. Both of these movies are remakes of uh, other of uh, adaptations from novels so yeah Bram Stoker and Jack Finney are fucking you know rolling over in their graves over all the money so many other people are making off of their ideas but thank god thank god that they they made or thank thank Satan that they made these ideas uh, come to life Nosferatu the Vampire is pure gothic atmosphere we'll talk about that movie don't you worry An Invasion of the Body Snatchers first time watch I had never seen that movie before so, uh, yeah, this year, this, especially this month, I've got a lot of first-time watches in that I've been meaning to do um, for a long time. The Blob, like I said, Fright Night felt like a first-time watch, so, you know, technically that. Um, the Witches, Night of the Demon, and finally, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That, that, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that till, till just running through this list. Um, I gotta say, the idea of aliens floating through space and landing on Earth in a way that we'd never see them or expect expect them to. One character in the movie even points it out. Like, we, we always think for some reason it's going to be metal ships. Oh, Jeff Goldblum's in it too. Oh, that that's, you know, pre-The Fly, but there's Jeff Goldblum being Goldblumy all over the goddamn place, talking over everybody else while real shit's going down. He's staring into funhouse mirrors. Go watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's fucking cool. And that was 30 films, so... For 31, I watched the new animated creep show special on Shudder. Again, go get Shudder. The way this movie was animated, it was like panels of a comic that were moving. Not to the degree that something like uh, Into the Spider-Verse had had that effect going on, but I still thought it was really cool. It was two stories, uh, one about a man stranded on a beach and another about (laughs) a hapless girl tweeting her life away while her family gets fucking murdered i thought it was a fun way to kind of cap off this uh this halloween season like it it was really cool and i can't wait for season two of creep show i love that that franchise is uh living on shutter shutter's bringing a lot of things back to life man they are reanimators they gave us joe bob back which is just like a gift from god they're giving us creep show back which is another gift from the unholy master I do have plans uh, currently to watch another film before the Halloween season is over, and that is Night of the Demons, again from 1988. Uh, Boss Tuna, my co-host on the Joe Blow Horror Show, and I (laughs) were just talking about this for the entire month of October on the Joe Blow Horror Show, the trash heap of darkness falls aside. We've only been covering films from 1988. And that's not going to be any different for our Halloween special. Go check it out. We're going to talk about Night of the Demons. So if you uh, if you want some Halloween marathon podcasting to go on in your life, you've got an entire month full of Joe Blow Horror Show 
and the nightclub because we did an episode every week for both podcasts. That's got to be at least an entire day of haunting horror in your ear holes. And if anyone out there has the inclination or the itch, go ahead and email in the nightclub podcast at gmail.com. Let us know some of your favorite horror movies to watch during the month of October. So that wraps up the Halloween season and the bandages of a decrepit mummy in a stank-ass tomb in what has been the worst year in the whole world's life. I mean, collectively, we have faced isolation and strain. It's unprecedented. But remember, my soft little jellies, your candy bag is always half full. And some people don't even have candy. If you know what I mean, and I think you do. Stay spooky, bitches. The stars are speaking again. They crank and wind in timeless motion. A stir of malice in the cosmic machine. Now is time to put pretend to bed. <laughs>